Uh, let's ask God <coughs> to help us with his word. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this great word you gave uh, Jeremiah, your prophet, to speak. Uh, we pray that we would all receive it this morning as it is the word of the living God to his people and that we would know its work in our lives, turning us to our Lord Jesus and equipping us by its teaching, rebuke, correction and training uh, to live lives that please him. Help us as we listen and help me in my weakness as I speak, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you listen to our media, to our state education system, to our public conversation, uh, you would think the living God was silent. For some, an object of investigation and speculation, occasionally a symbol to be enlisted for a cause when it suits, spoken about but never speaking. Indifferent with nothing to say about how people think about and relate to him or relate to each other. And you could even think that in some churches where it seems God is so inarticulate, so incapable of clear communication, that it is really left up to us to decide what we'll believe about God and how we'll live. Or you could think that God was so uncommitted to what is called his word that it can be ignored and changed to suit us. Oh, by inherited habit from an unenlightened age, the Bible might still be spoken of in those communities as the word of God, but church authorities and others are free to leave out bits it's reckoned God couldn't have or shouldn't have said and turn to other authorities to find what God, sh God should have said whether those authorities are our reason, our experience, the insights of the gods of other faiths or the gods of the marketplace. But in the words of the prophet Jeremiah, the words God gave him to speak, from chapter 1 on we meet a God who is not passive, not indifferent, not hidden, not inarticulate. The God who has determined his word be heard, even by those who don't want to hear it, the God who thinks his word has authority over all people and nations, authority to give or take prosperity and peace, life and death. We meet the Lord, the God who wants his word spoken and takes the initiative to ensure that it will be spoken and heard. That determination to be heard, God's initiative in making sure his word is spoken, is what stands out in the call and commissioning of Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me, it says. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God has set Jeremiah apart to speak the word even before his birth. Now, part of our problem in hearing God speak in the words of his human prophets and apostles in the scriptures is too small a view of God, too small a view of his providential ruling over all things. We think that if God is going to speak to us in human words, he has to somehow obliterate the humanity of the speaker to insulate his word from human error. And that where the humanity of the human speaker is too obviously present, whether that's in artistry or emotion, it can't be God's word. 
But in Jeremiah's call, we see the truth is exactly the opposite. If the Lord is to have a Jeremiah to speak his word, it's because he has prepared a Jeremiah who can speak God's word in words that are genuinely his own. The Lord says he had in view before Jeremiah's conception the task he had in store for Jeremiah, that Jeremiah be a prophet, his prophet to the nations. Now think for a moment of what is involved in God enacting his choice of Jeremiah before Jeremiah was conceived, his choice of Jeremiah to be the prophet to the nations. What's involved in getting a Jeremiah fit for the task to speak God's word to the nations. There's a lot, isn't there? The meeting of his parents, which of course would involve Jeremiah's grandparents. The fusion of egg and sperm, the development of Jeremiah in the womb, his upbringing amongst the priests of Anatoth. To realise his choice, the Lord, who says he knows the number of the hairs on each of our heads, the Lord oversees everything. All the myriad of intricate details involved in Jeremiah becoming the Jeremiah who was fit for the task the Lord had given him. This calling of Jeremiah to be God's prophet is not an afterthought, a panic reaction by God to the rebellion of his people, but something God foreknew and ordered affairs to bring about from decades before. The Lord wanted his words spoken, spoken in the words of Jeremiah, and so he deliberately and purposefully prepared a Jeremiah for that task long before Jeremiah had any inkling of what was in store for him. The initiative in having his words spoken is the Lord's, and God's determination that his word be spoken in the words of Jeremiah is seen in his overcoming Jeremiah's reluctance. Jeremiah says, Oh, Lord God, I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth. (coughs) The Lord said, Don't say I'm only a youth, for you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. Don't be afraid of anyone, for I'll be with you to rescue you. You see, Jeremiah doesn't come keen to share his own insights like the False prophets will meet later in the book who run where they've not been sent who are keen to speak for profit. Now, Jeremiah rightly thinks he's not qualified by his personal circumstances. But it is not Jeremiah's opinion of his own suitability that matters. It is God's choice, a choice God has equipped him to fulfil from before his birth, a choice that compels Jeremiah to speak to those he has sent all that God tells him to speak. And we see the Lord's determination that his word be heard in the words of Jeremiah by the Lord giving Jeremiah his word to speak. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. See, I have appointed you today over the nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and plant. The mouth, the source of spoken words, God sanctifies, separates to himself by his touch. And it says he fills Jeremiah's mouth with his words. And if Jeremiah's mouth is filled, 
with God's words. Well, there's no space for other words. With this phrase, the Lord is assuring Jeremiah and his hearers that what comes from Jeremiah's mouth will be the Lord's words. In listening to Jeremiah, and yes, in reading Jeremiah, we are hearing God himself speak. We have the word of the Lord himself. The Lord wants his word spoken and he assures it will be spoken by his prophet. Now that itself is a big idea. But before we think about what it means for us, we learn in Jeremiah 1 more about the Lord's determination his word be heard. We learn when and by whom it will be heard. In verses 2 to 3, we see that the Lord is determined that his word, which decides the flourishing or destruction of nations and kingdoms, be spoken at a time of turmoil. Uh, This introduction tells us Jeremiah was speaking the word of the Lord through the reign of three kings, Josiah, Jehoiakim and Zedekiah, from 627 BC to a couple of years after 587 BC. That is a ministry that spanned a little more than 40 years. Now those kings reigned at a time of great international turmoil, which directly affected what happened in and to the kingdom of Judah, and its capital, Jerusalem. There there they are. Now, things looked really promising under the reign of Josiah. There was religious reform, the discovery of the Book of the Covenant, and those reforms were extended even into what had been the northern kingdom of Israel. But after its destruction by the Assyrians in 721, had become an Assyrian province. Now, Josiah could do that. He could go into that Assyrian province because Assyria, which had been the great power in the Middle East, Assyria's power was waning. But, you know, as we see today, you know, with doubts about Russia's power or US, US, the US's power, the waning of one great power ushers in a period of uncertainty and instability as other nations like Egypt and Babylon sought to assert their power and extend their empires. So this was a time of great power conflict. And the kings of Judah and Judah itself get caught up in that. So Josiah is killed trying to resist the Egyptian pharaoh Necho, who was leading his army north to bring Palestine under his rule and fight the Babylonians. And then it's Pharaoh Necho who appoints Jehoiakim king in Jerusalem and imposed a huge tribute on Judah, having deposed and taken to Egypt Jehoiakim's brother Jehoahaz. But then, in turn, Egyptian power begins to weaken. They were defeated by the Babylonians, and the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar, famous name, extends his rule over Judah, and Jehoiakim becomes his servant, his vassal. But then Jehoiakim, in alliance with other kings and seeking help from Egypt, rebels against Nebuchadnezzar with the result that the Babylonians came and conquered Judah again and took into exile Jehoiakim's son, Jehoiachin, Jehoiakim having died, and a number of other Judean leaders with him. And then Nebuchadnezzar appoints another son of Josiah, Zedekiah, as ruler in Jerusalem. Now, 
Judah's ministry doesn't end there because Zedekiah also rebels against Babylon and we're going to hear a lot more about that in the book. But that potted history is enough to show that this was a time of great turmoil and uncertainty internationally and in Judah. And it is at this time God wants his words spoken clearly, wants it heard, a word that shows that he rules over the nations, a word that can be relied on in the fearful chaos of international conflict and so give hope. And we also see in chapter 1 that the Lord wants his word spoken to those who don't want to hear it. Get ready, says the Lord to Jeremiah. Stand up and tell them everything that I command you. Don't be intimidated by them or I will cause you to cower before them. Today, I'm the one who's made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests and the population. They will fight against you, but never prevail over you, since I am with you to rescue you. You see, the Lord insists his word be heard by all classes and groups in Judah and that he will sustain the speaking, the speaking of that word by protecting and rescuing Jeremiah so that all will hear even if they don't want to and in the way they hear their attitude to God and the justice of his judgments will be revealed. Oh, and as we'll see, the Lord wants this word, his word, spoken and written down. So it's available to those not present when Jeremiah speaks. So it remains a permanent public witness that vindicates the Lord's justice and offers hope to those who are here. The living God is not dumb, not reliant on our intuitions about him to be known. He speaks speaks through his prophets to make himself and his will known. He wants his word spoken. He is determined to be spoken, even in times of turmoil, even to those who don't want to hear. But he has not only spoken through the prophets. As the author of Hebrews says, long ago God spoke to our fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by his Son. And that word spoken by the Son continues to be a word God wants spoken so all people can hear the living God, their creator. The Son, the Lord Jesus, made provision for his word to be spoken throughout the world by appointing apostles and commanding them to be witnesses to him to the end of the earth and by commanding the apostles to make disciples of all nations, a task passed on to all who believe and receive their word, who are disciples, by doing all that our Lord Jesus has taught, conforming their lives to his word. The world and we should not think the living God our creator is passive, dumb, indifferent. The world should know, as Jeremiah's generation was brought to know, that the Lord has spoken, even if they don't want to hear. But what is the character of the word the Lord wants spoken by Jeremiah? Well, we see first that it's a word with authority to decide the fate of nations 
and individuals. I've appointed you today over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and plant. Now, how can this be? How can Jeremiah have this role? It would have seemed very strange to Jeremiah's contemporaries that he, someone without any place in the hierarchy of power, someone who, as we'll see in later in the book, could be thrown in the stocks or down a well, was appointed over nations to determine their fate. And it would have seemed positively bizarre to the rulers of those nations that the fate of their nations was in, well... Jeremiah's hands. And, of course, Jeremiah doesn't have personal authority in himself. He's got no personal power, does he? His authority is as the speaker of the words of the Lord. It's the Lord's word that has power to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and plant. For the Lord is the living God, almighty Someone who, in the psalmist's words, does whatever he pleases in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deep. It was the Lord's words that brought all creation into being. He rules by his word. There's no limit to his power or knowledge. And unlike people, he always lives to keep his word. And this means the Lord's words are unlike any other words unlike the words of mere humans. What the Lord says, he will certainly do. And his word, no matter how tumultuous human affairs may be and seem uncertain to us, his word is sure. Speaking the word of the Lord, the prophet is declaring what the Almighty God is determined to bring about and so it will be. And the Lord reinforces that certainty with the first sign. He asked Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah replies, I see a branch of an almond tree. And the Lord says to Jeremiah, you have seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. Now the Lord uses here a play on words. For the word for an almond tree and the word for watch have the same consonants and so look and sound very close in Hebrew. And the Lord uses this play on words to reassure Jeremiah he won't be left high and dry, speaking a word that will never be fulfilled. Now that's reassurance Jeremiah would need as he spoke of the coming judgment on Jerusalem and its people year after year. And for 39 years, it didn't happen. So the people were denying that he spoke the truth, saying, Jeremiah 5, it won't happen, harm won't come to us. And mocking him, Jeremiah 17, saying, where is the word of the Lord? Let it come. But by God's grace, every time through those years, Jeremiah looked at an almond tree, and there were almond trees in that area. He would be reminded that the Lord was committed, watching over his word to accomplish it, that he was speaking a sure word, a sure word even as he was speaking an unwelcome word of judgment to an apostate and idolatrous people. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, what do you see? And I replied, I see a boiling pot, its lip tilted from the north to the south. 
Then the Lord said to me, Disaster will be poured out from the north on all who live in the land. Indeed, I am about to summon all the clans and kingdoms of the north. This is the Lord's declaration. They will come, and each king will set up his throne at the entrance to Jerusalem's gates. They will attack all her surrounding walls and all the other cities of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments against them for all the evil they did when they abandoned me to burn incense to other gods and to worship the works of their own hands. Pronouncing judgment on the people of Judah, of course, was, was not the only word Jeremiah spoke. As we'll see, he also spoke a word of hope, chapters 29 to 33, to the exiled people whom the residents of Jerusalem and Judah thought were hopeless people, people without hope. Oh, yes, and Jeremiah would pronounce judgments, chapters 46 to 51, on the idolatrous nations surrounding and afflicting Israel. But in keeping with his commission to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and plant, judgment was the first word and the main word Jeremiah would have to speak to his people throughout a long ministry. And it is a word of covenant faithfulness, a word that that said that God was faithful to the covenant relationship he'd entered into with Israel at Sinai and renewed on the plains of Moab before they entered the promised land, a word that said that God was faithful to the covenant Josiah and the people had renewed just five years into Jeremiah's ministry when the book of the law, the book of the covenant, had been found in the temple, a word that said God takes his word seriously. You see, that covenant promised blessing for faithful obedience, but curses and judgment for those who would not obey the voice of the Lord their God, especially to those who went and worshipped other gods. In pronouncing judgment, you see, God is saying that he would do exactly what he had committed himself to do, even though it is grievous and fearful. And yet at the same time, it is faithfulness to his covenant that gives Israel hope, even in judgment. Hope in God's commitment to his people, hope in his steadfast covenanted love. And though the first hearers did not want to listen to Jeremiah, did not want to think God would do as he said and bring judgment upon them, We and every reader of Jeremiah know from the outset that Jeremiah's words are words that have been proved true. Did you notice at the end of verse 3, Jeremiah prophesied until the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah when the people of Judah went into exile. See, Jeremiah prophesies until his prophecy of judgment is fulfilled until Jerusalem is destroyed and the people go into exile as Jeremiah said they would. So there's Jeremiah's word, ignored, rejected, but true. The word of the Lord, the word the Lord is determined to be spoken, is a word, you see, that comes with authority, 
determine the fate of nations and individuals, a sure word, a true word, a word that pronounces both judgment and will promise life, a word that says the living God is committed to his word, a word we should always believe and obey. Whether that's the word we hear in Jeremiah or the word we hear in the gospel. See, in Jesus' words, we hear the word of God. And the word of Jesus has also been proved true, hasn't it? He said he would die and rise on the third day, and he did. But wonderfully, the order of the gospel word's work is different from Jeremiah's. You see, the gospel word is spoken first and foremost to offer life. Though it too warns repeatedly of the judgment to come. And even now the gospel word is a word through which God both judges and gives life as it is rejected or believed. You see that order and effect in these famous words in John 3. God so loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. Again, life and death, salvation or judgment, but there is an order and a priority in the gospel. But both are always there and both are being worked out even as the gospel word is preached. And in John 12, Jesus says that though its goal is to bring life, this word is the word by which we will be judged on the last day. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and doesn't receive my sayings has this as his judge. The word I have spoken will judge him on the last day. See, the gospel word is the word of God, a word to be listened to and obeyed as it calls us to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Jeremiah 1, this chapter is all about the word of the Lord, isn't it? The determination of the Lord that his word be spoken, the character of that word, and we're about to look at what it says about what the Lord looks for in the speaker of his word. But we do have to pause because whenever you are hearing the word of the Lord, the question is always, how are you listening to that word now? <laughs> that question will come up time and time again in Jeremiah. But that's also the question that is asked of you whenever you are hearing the word of the Lord. Will you be good soil, those who receive the word and put it into practice? or those who abandon the word when times get tough or let its teaching be lost in the busyness and cares of life. You see, we 
here. We hear that word often, don't we? But we're hearing it living amongst the people who pay no heed to that word. And I fear that sometimes we can become complacent. We can start to think that this word, the word of the Lord, is an ordinary word, a word we can take or leave, that like our neighbours, we start to think it doesn't really matter what we do with God's word, that we forget this word that we read, this word we gather to hear, this word we talk about, is the word of the living God, a true and sure word, the word which will determine our eternity and that of our neighbours. So as you see in Jeremiah 1, God's determination that his word be heard and heard as the word that gives judgment or life, are you listening? Are you believing the word? Are you changing your thinking and life to conform to it, even though it's spoken by ordinary, unimpressive people? Are you a hearer of the word? For before we can be speakers, we must be hearers. But we do see in chapter 1 what God looks for in the speaker of his word. And as every believer is entrusted with the gospel word as a word to share with the world, we should listen. The Lord said to me, don't say I'm only a youth. You will go to everyone I send you and speak whatever I tell you. Now get ready, stand up and tell them everything that I command you. The first thing the Lord looks for in the speaker of the word is faithfulness. Faithfulness in speaking all the Lord had said. Now that's a challenge, isn't it? Because there's much the Lord has said that people who want to live as lords of their own life, and that's us all until, uh, until God gives us new birth, there's much that people who want to live as lords of their own life don't want to hear. Whether that's about judgment, that each one of us is accountable to our creator, or salvation, that life is only found by faith in a crucified saviour, or about how we express our sexual nature, or about not being greedy and exploiting others, there's much that's unpopular in what the Lord has spoken, even though it is a good word that offers life. And so to be faithful, the Lord says, we also need courage. Do not be afraid of anyone. We don't often talk about fear is the reason we don't speak the word of God, but it's real, isn't it? Fear of exclusion, of being left out. Fear of mockery. Fear of misrepresentation. Oh, for believers in some parts of the world, fear of prison and worse. We don't often speak about it, but fear is real. Maybe you felt it. I know I have. And maybe that's the reason that has held you back from speaking at times. And so the Lord says to his prophet and to us, don't be afraid. Yes, that's what the Lord said to his followers when he sent them out with his gospel in Matthew 10. Don't be afraid of them. Those who speak the Lord's words mustn't be afraid of people and we won't be if instead we fear the Lord. The one the Lord Jesus says should be feared who can destroy not only the body 
but the body and soul in hell. We have to always be conscious as the Lord's people of the difference between the Lord who calls us to speak faithfully and people who will tell us to be quiet. And despite people's proud claims to barren knowledge, the Lord and people really can't be compared, are they? They can't be compared in might. The Lord has brought all that is into being by his word. People's words perish with them. Can't be compared to truthfulness. The Lord knows everything. He always speaks the truth. Can't be compared in faithfulness. He always does what he says. Can't be compared in the power to give life. He has life in himself and every person dies. And yes, they can't be compared in love. Our God is our Father who loves us with a steadfast and proven love, giving his Son for us. We need courage to speak the word of the Lord and courage is sustained by the fear of the Lord. That is, by trusting all of the God who is. And the Lord calls Jeremiah and us to trust him. Today, I am the one who has made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land. They'll fight against you but never prevail with you since I'm with you to rescue you. The Lord calls Jeremiah and us to trust him, to trust his help. God promised Jeremiah that he would make him impregnable in the face of opposition. Fortified city, iron pillar, bronze walls. The Lord Jesus has promised his people help. He has promised his people his presence. I am with you always. And Paul knew that presence in his defence before his accusers. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me so I might fully preach the word of all the Gentiles. But that presence is for all Jesus' people. It is for you and I as well. And the Lord Jesus, as you heard, promised his people the help of his spirit. You'll be given what to say in that hour because it isn't you speaking but the spirit of your father speaking through you. But we live after Pentecost and the spirit is poured out on us all, on all Jesus' people. God wants his word to be heard and he promises help. And the Lord calls Jeremiah and, and us to also trust in his power to rescue us. I will be with you to rescue you. But notice it is rescue. It's not avoidance of trial or difficulty, but rescue from the evil intentions of our persecutors, from their power to stop the Lord's word from being heard. The Lord can keep us as we speak God's word. Remember his words, which I've alluded to, to his first messengers. Don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now think of those sparrows. 
nothing happens to us but by our Father's good will. And he knows us. He knows the details of our lives, the hairs on our head, and he cares for us. He can be trusted to keep us. And hear our Lord Jesus' words to the faithful witnesses at Smyrna. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison and to test you and you'll experience affliction for ten days. Be faithful to the point of death and I will give you the crown of life. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Our Lord Jesus says he can and will rescue his faithful people from death. If we are to be speakers of the word, we need the faithfulness and courage that comes from trusting the Lord Jesus, trusting his sure promises of help and rescue in an age where some are hostile to the word. But not all. And if we have the courage to speak, we will find them, those whose hearts the Lord has prepared to hear his word. And when we have the courage to speak, we may be surprised to find that there is more openness to the gospel than we thought. Jeremiah would need, of course, to keep on being encouraged, both by the clarity of this, his call to speak the word of God, and by these promises of help and rescue in the years ahead. For his was a long ministry, 40 years, an opposed ministry in which he experienced attempts on his life, times when he was shamed and humiliated, times when he had to flee and hide from the king, was imprisoned, threatened with starvation. A long ministry, an opposed ministry, and what many would judge to be an unsuccessful ministry. There was no great turning back to the Lord amongst his hearers, just ones and twos responding like the eunuch Ebed-Melech or the family of Shaphan. And it was a ministry in which he knew, as we'll see in the coming chapters, great grief, frustration and anger because from Jeremiah we learn it is not an uncomplicated calling to be entrusted with the word of the Lord in a world in rebellion against God. But the living God, our God, is not dumb, inarticulate, disinterested. He has spoken by the prophets. We see that in Jeremiah, whose mouth the Lord filled with the Lord's words. And in these last days he has spoken by his Son, whose word we hear in his gospel. It is God's word, a word that has authority to determine the fate of nations and the eternal fate of individuals. So two questions. Have you listened to his word? Are you keeping on listening to his word, even when the society around you doesn't want you to listen, even when the world says, even when that word says, things you don't want to hear, about how say you should live, the friends you should keep, the goals you should pursue. Are you listening to the word? 
as the word of the living God, sure and true, powerful to judge or give life to you. And here's the second question from Jeremiah 1. Knowing the word, believing the word, will you be fearless speakers of this word because you have first believed it yourself? God wants his word heard. And he has entrusted its speaking to people, to you and I who know its truth and power. Will you trust him enough to not be afraid and be faithful to the whole world of word of God, the gospel word that the crucified Jesus is Lord, the word that promises life and warns of judgment, faithful to teaching all the Lord has taught, whether it's about sex or money or the reality of sin and judgment or of the great goodness of our creator God in sending his son to give life. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples, don't be afraid. There's nothing covered that won't be uncovered and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper, proclaim on the housetops. The Lord wants his word heard in this world. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we do thank you again for the words you gave Jeremiah. We pray that we would take it to heart. Uh, We pray that we would both be comforted by and tremble at your commitment to your word, your determination that not a word that you have spoken will fall to the ground, be left empty and unfulfilled. Our Father, we pray that we would know the encouragement that we see in Jeremiah, the encouragement of his real relationship with you, the encouragement of his perseverance and his encouragement in his faithfulness. And Father, we pray that through that encouragement we would be speakers of the word of our Lord Jesus, that gospel word that will give life to any who believe but which will at the last day judge all those who refuse to believe. Help us to be faithful in speaking that word in the world so that people will come to know that you are the true and living God, righteous, holy, just, the God of steadfast love and faithfulness, the God it is our delight to know and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.